tonight on season two, episode 19 of Unsolved Mysteries, RFK, Voice from the Grave, and No One Spared. co-host crystal and i'm your other co-host robert and this is reenacted an unsolved mysteries podcast <laughs> what's what's got you giggling over there i don't know i guess it's 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 been a really long time since we've recorded an episode where i was actually seated at my computer yeah uh, when's, the, when's the last time you did that do you think Let's hear. So the last two episodes we recorded were at your place. Thank you for having me over, by the way. Yeah, well, thanks for making the journey down. I yes. Know, I know it was treacherous there for a mm-hmm. little bit. Yes. Um, and then before that, uh, Sarah, did we did we record anything during Thanksgiving? I don't think we no, did. No, we didn't. Uh, when was the last? I f- well, it was prior to Halloween because we we aired an episode on Halloween and then we took like a two month hiatus. Mm-hmm. So it's some probably sometime in the early October, I want to say. I, I think it might have even been September. So in our time, oh wow, in our timeline, it is now the first week of January, twenty nineteen. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> We time are, travel time, time travel so if for anybody who's who's listening to this in the future i'll talk about some current events um <laughs> the federal government is currently in week two or three of a partial shutdown mm-hmm. um mexico has not agreed to pay for the wall unfortunately uh but we were assured <laughs> that they would yeah we were told they would pay for it yeah. i i remember hearing that several times but yet they have refused to cough up the money um, for the wall. <laughs> uh, shocking. <laughs> shocking. Um, also, I have made some New Year's commitments. I won't call them resolutions. Ooh, I'm, yes. in, I'm intrigued. And, um, you know, I really thought 2019 was the year I was going to come out the gate really hot. I was going to accomplish all my goals. Mm-hmm. And um, I was reading this article last night um, on BuzzFeed, of all things. It was actually a pretty good read uh, about millennial burnout. Now, I can hear everyone rolling their eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel pretty burned out most of the time. Like I'm just checking off a list of things to do and finding no joy in my life when I accomplish those things. So mm. I have decided 2019 is the year... Of doing less. Ooh. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to, I'm really going to phone it in at work. Okay. Um, I've decided to stop caring about that. It doesn't seem like anyone else cares about their job. We're <laughs> <laughs> doing well there and I don't really see the reason why I should. Yeah. Um, I'm going to focus on achievements that make me happy. So I, so the house is going to be a little less clean and... 
errands uh, and doing other administrative shit in my own life. I'm going to fall behind on that. Wow. Yeah. So. Uh, this is all very Seinfeldian in a way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing less, Jerry. This is going to be my time. Time to taste the fruits and let the juices drip down my chin. I proclaim this. The summer of George. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm. I I really thought you know, 2019. I was. I had all these ac- things I wanted to accomplish, but in realizing the things I have accomplished, uh, certainly don't make me any happier. I'm just more stressed out trying to accomplish things. So, 2019, mm-hmm. the year of doing less. Wow. Yeah. I can't wait to see how that unfolds. Uh, you know, there might be some not aired podcasts. Who who knows? I might not just, I might not adhere to the production schedule, um, such as it is. All right. You know, uh, maybe I'll just really stop being such a perfectionist, if you can believe that, with editing the pod. Uh, because you gotta hear it before I edit it. It's really not very good. I'm drinking coffee right now. I have my uh, milk. You have your milk because you're a good, good milk boy? Yep. It's (laughs) my Hulk um, cup, too. Oh, (laughs) excellent. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, may you grow to be big and strong then. Thank you. Uh, I'm just I'm just a hater because I'm lactose intolerant, so I'm drinking my coffee right now with the the chemically produced uh, coffee mate creamer. Oh, okay. Which honestly, I prefer. Oh. real dairy products but maybe it's an acquired taste yeah um so should we do this yeah i guess we might as well talk about the uh, that bullshit segment where oh, they God. S- spend 60 plus percent of the episode talking about rfk assassination conspiracy stuff i didn't even listen i was watching this last night with dave and mm-hmm. i was like what what could possibly be an unsolved mystery about the RFK assassination? Um, you know, here's what I knew before going into this uh, segment. Is that in 1968, during a campaign event and or the... Was it the Democratic National Convention? Yep. No, no, no. This was the, uh, it, the California Democrat primary. I just... Uh, right. Finished. Right. And uh, Robert Kennedy had just won it, so he had the big, uh, big mo, momentum. Yeah. Going to that race. Or uh, or Bobby, as I like to call him. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't refer to him that way. Um, yeah. So he was he was giving a speech at the Ambassador Hotel here in Los Angeles in 1968. Um, on his way off the stage and through the hotel's kitchen. To go to another part of the event, he was assassinated by someone named Sirhan Sirhan, the man so nice they named him twice. Price. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And um, case closed. They they uh, Sirhan Sirhan was uh, captured at the scene, and as far as I know, pleaded guilty, or no contest, or no contest is what you say to a traffic ticket. I don't know. What do you (laughs) what do you plead? Well, for an assassination. Yeah, but the thing is, watching the segment, I like. Granted, I kind of was just phasing in and out because I was so upset that. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh god, I was yelling at the television, and then I was texting you as I was yelling at the television. Yes, yes, I have those. It was a flurry of texts. Yeah, Um, he's 
from what I gathered, they kind of present that he didn't really confess, but he wouldn't deny that he did it either, right? Well, there's a there's a key piece that um, Robert Stack introduces, which is that Siren Siren claims to not remember the t- the period of time leading up to right the assassination, and I don't know why he says I don't know why Stack says this. What are they insinuating? Um, well, if you had watched the missing time segment earlier in the series, <laughs> <laughs> clearly he was abducted by aliens prior to the assassination. Now, I'm not saying that aliens orchestrated the assassination. Mm-hmm. I, I'm simply suggesting it's possible that a coincidental, incidental abduction of Sirham Sirham may have happened. Now, do you think this was because of uh, Bobby Kennedy's famous platform, pl- famous uh, anti-extraterrestrial platform he was running on that year? Hmm. You know, I don't want to suggest that the aliens were in cahoots with Nixon, mm-hmm. uh, but it's certainly not something we can entirely discount. Um, are, tell me, are, are you... Uh, if you had been alive in 1968, would uh-huh. you have uh, pictured yourself as a Bobby Kennedy supporter? Well, who are my who are my other options? Well, let's see here. Um, you, because in, in how it went in the 68 Democratic primaries was uh, Eugene McCarthy uh-huh. came in a strong second in New Hampshire uh-huh. uh, against Lyndon Johnson, and that's what caused Johnson to decide he wasn't going to run for re-election. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so there was all those, uh, you, if you've ever heard the expression going clean for Gene or clean for Gene. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Those were, it, it was, um, all so, the, like, I'm sorry I didn't yes and you right then, but <laughs> really that <laughs> sounds absurd to me as like a political slogan. No, well, no it, it's not a slogan. Uh, it, what, what it was is it was an expression to describe the, when McCarthy, Eugene McCarthy was running in the New Hampshire primary, he was he was he was you know running as an anti-war candidate against Johnson, who was a pro-war candidate. Yeah, well, that, I I well, I have I have well, some yeah, idea yeah, about LBJ, yeah, but yeah, Jay, yeah. Um. So, but the thing was, is so there was a lot of hippies that wanted to support Eugene McCarthy, mm-hmm. and so if when they went up there to do vol- campaign volunteer stuff, they had to you know cut their hair and sort of wear nice clothes mm-hmm. uh, so that was the the expression there they're going clean for gene uh-huh. um and so because and then when at some point after johnson dropped out rob robert kennedy sensed that like there's an opportunity you know big opening for for him uh i don't know who else was running and uh on the democratic side obviously on the republican side there was um nixon uh nelson rockefeller and mm-hmm. ron Reagan. <clears throat> yeah, I guess it didn't turn out to be Reagan's year that year, right? N- n- not as such, no. Um, and you know, I I don't know who I would have supported. I, I probably would have still been so heartbroken over Barry Goldwater's loss in '64. Maybe I wouldn't, <laughs> even, wouldn't even have bothered. Uh, um. Well, I mean, I, I I have to say that I'm wildly ignorant about the politics of 1968. I am vaguely aware of 
um, you know, it was a very volatile year in American oh, history. Yeah. And I, I'm aware of the social movements going on, but the actual political campaigning, I'm, I'm not. So I have to say, I probably, I, if the hippies were going for McCarthy, yeah, I would have probably been in the McCarthy camp. Probably not the Bobby Kennedy camp. But here's my other reasoning for that, because I just really don't like political dynasties. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we had JFK. I, I didn't I probably would have just fallen in the camp of like let's not let's give this Camelot shit a rest. <laughs> and <laughs> I probably I probably would have been neutral to not really a supporter, I think. Gotcha. Then, gotcha. And who's to say I would have even have been at the same political you know, I'm a product of my time. Who's to say I would have been in the same political leanings that I am now? I might maybe I was a Nixon voter in nineteen sixty eight. Yeah, you know, well, yeah, it was like you say, the 60s, it it was such an upheaval time. I mean, for for God's sakes, like Nixon's VP candidate, Spiro Agnew, Mm -hmm. um, he was someone who, when he was originally elected governor of Maryland, he he was elected by virtue of running to the left of what left of a a segregationist Democrat. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just. Stuff stuff was all uh, you know crazy all over the uh, the place. I mean, really, even <clears throat> with Barry Goldwater, um, I had a instructor in high school who shared the last name of a professor at, at our alma mater that we both hate. Uh, yeah. I won't, yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Uh huh. Yes. Um, and he was some. <clears throat> this is a guy who like he. You know, very, very much a, a guy of the left. Uh-huh. Um, like, <clears throat> I think he he listed one of his proudest votes for president for like he'd voted for some. I can't remember who it was. Someone who was like affiliated with the Black Panthers. Um, but the one time in his life he ever voted for a Republican candidate was for mm. Barry Goldwater. Uh, um, and like there's there <clears throat> the throw here. here I'm going to throw a, yet a second hair related mm-hmm. um, uh, expression. Uh, you, you, I guess you, if you haven't heard of going clean or for Jean, you, you probably haven't heard the expression Harry after Barry. No, no, <laughs> no. Um, Cause well, yeah, it's to describe people who were hippies mm-hmm. who had voted for Barry Goldwater in 1964 I realize that that the idea of that is kind of probably really peculiar to uh-huh. a lot of people, but I've met multiple people who had gone hairy after Barry. So it's just, yeah, the sixties were just a very confusing and volatile time all around. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was kind of the, I know it is kind of the big shift from, you know, with the Southern strategy and, yeah, um, you know, Dixiecrats and Democrats. There was just a big flip that happened politically between the two parties. Right, right. Um, so anyway, should we talk about this upsetting segment? The What I was getting at when I was yelling at the television uh, <laughs> um, is I wasn't even aware there was any conspiracy. Or, you know, we've all heard the JFK conspiracy theories. I wasn't even aware there was a conspiracy around RFK. And uh, Dave, Dave, my boyfriend... Um, it was a very nice guy, by yeah, the way. Yeah, well, sorry for the name drop, everyone, but I have a boyfriend. <laughs> uh, 
which I probably mentioned before. But um, he was saying, oh, yeah, there was this conspiracy of like a second shooter. There was like a woman in an orange dress. It was overheard saying we got him or something, um, oh. which I think Dave's synopsis is more comprehensive than anything we get in this segment. <laughs> I, you know, I haven't heard Dave's. Con- <laughs> that was it. That was it. Yeah. Just the two sentences. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that, that that's that's already ahead of the segment. Um, um, yeah, this segment is just, uh, there, there's no, it's just, I didn't really find anything like compelling no. this speculation. Like, Hey, this guy who was a security guard, he pulled out his gun. <gasps> yeah. Well, there has, it's kind of all over the place. So they're, they're making yeah, there's, like, there's, there's no, yeah, there's no real, there's no real like alternative narrative they present they just throw out what what, wacky ideas well this and this kind of reminds me of season one um when they did the two-parter on uh was it the boston i want to say it was oh oh, son of of sam Sam, um where they're just they're just throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks and i'm surprised there's no satanic cult mentioned yeah um i'm yeah i'm kind of disappointed they weren't like accusing sierra and sierra of being some part some part of some vast uh um sierra and sierra where was he from like what's his deal like they didn't even talk about him right that that's also another fascinating thing is... yeah i mean i don't think you can get through a jfk like conspiracy without talking about uh the rv Hos- oswald yeah but... and his and his time in cuba and whatever else so yeah, yeah, they don't. I think part of the reason they're promoting conspiracies because they're not really talking about the motives that Sierra and Sierra may have had, or his connections, mm-hmm. or any of that, or his political leanings. Um, yeah, this is I... kind of, it's just kind of like a vapid overview of things. There's like three central p- points I think they're trying to make. The first point being because of some eyewitness testimony and they even interview one of the people that was, I mean, he's an old man in this segment, but they interview, uh, the Mater D who was escorting RFK through the kitchen at the time he was shot. Um, and it's apparently the guy who like pushed Sierra and Sierra down after he started shooting, which is pretty compelling. I mean, obviously he was there, but you know, they're, they're talking a lot about like bullet trajectory and yeah. how because of the because of eyewitness testimony um at the time that somehow Sirhan Sirhan couldn't have shot RFK in the head in the way that he did and that there were several other people in the room who were also shot um and they were they were doing there's like some 3d graphics and stuff that unsolved mysteries goes through oh man that's the best part of the segment yeah it's oh, i mean it's, it's it's the video game yeah it's like cutting edge tech for unsolved <laughs> mysteries <laughs> i mean it's it's like about the level of animation that like it was in weird science when they're like making the kelly lebrock robot Right, right. <laughs> it's that like it's looks like it's made in AutoCAD, basically. Is <laughs> did you notice that like when they're doing the replication of the shooting, that they you know they have him shoot one, one person, then he shoots RFK, and then you know he shoots a couple other people afterwards. Did you notice one of the people he shot afterwards? They had him like shooting that person right in their dick. 
<laughs> I did not notice. <laughs> it was like RFK goes down, and then the next guy gets it right in the groin. It is so I laughed so hard when I saw that. Um. Yeah. Well, it's uh. Again, though, the sort of forensic evidence that they're presenting. Um, they're like, there's, there's just no way Sirhan Sirhan and the angle he was at could have done, could have been shooting up. Well, I'm like, okay, if someone pushes <laughs> him down mid shooting, which is what happened, he mm-hmm. would have been falling. At which point, his gun would have been sh- angled up. Uh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It just didn't make any, it didn't make any sense. So the second tenant of their argument, as far as I could tell. Um, is that there's these extra bullets. Sirhan Sirhan fired eight shots. That's in the official LAPD LAPD report that makes sense with the gun he had. I guess he wasn't able to reload in the time that he had, okay? Mm -hmm. Except there's more than eight bullets accounted for in the kitchen of the hotel. Yeah. And they spend, I don't know, probably ten minutes (laughs) on this. (laughs) Um... So that's their, that's, you know, okay. But, but the thing is, is like, there's a lot of, the problem is that, you know, they're talking, when they're, t- they're talking about bullet holes and stuff, but a lot of it is, it's all about eyewitness testimony coming in here. Like people exactly. saying, I saw this, I saw that, I saw this, I saw that. And I mean, as we know, eyewitness testimony is highly unreliable. Uh, <sighs> Uh, yeah, and I, I imagine it being a traumatic and historical event, your memory of the incident might might be better than it would be otherwise. I mean, I would, in this instance, I would give eyewitness testimony um, more credence than I would than the last episode we watched where someone was saying, oh, I saw a car drive, <laughs> I saw a weird blue car. And it's like, no, you didn't. You didn't say that. <laughs> no one would remember that. I think you would remember... Yeah. You would probably remember a lot of detail about RFK getting shot at. So in this case, uh, like that's that's fair, yeah. Yeah, in this case, I'm gonna give it a little more credence. On the other hand, memory recall isn't perfect. Mm-hmm. So I think what you would probably remember is the order of events. But would you remember at what angle the shooter was shooting at? Exactly how many feet away he was? <laughs> the you precise could... number of bullet holes on the wall. Yeah, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm not buying it. So, so the thing, the credibility expert they have here is this guy named Dan Moldia, who, um, I guess, in the early '90s, late '80s, wrote a series of uh, articles for the Washington Post mm-hmm. about reopening this case. Um, so sort of the, you might be asking yourself, well, why would the official report be different than what everybody is saying that happened? Like, why would it only include eight bullets as opposed to however many were fired? Because there must have been a second gun. And they're kind of like stabbing around that the LAPD has something to hide because they basically called it case closed. Mm-hmm. Um... But they're not really outright saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I found interesting was this segment opens, and it's kind of strange, you know, strange how they, maybe just due to the fact that the segment consumes nearly two thirds of the episode, Mm -hmm. that they don't really, they didn't mention any of the other segments at the beginning of the episode. They just went, 
straight into this case. <clears throat> yeah, and like, I, before, I before like credits or anything, they're just right. talking. And I also how I don't know if you noticed really when Robert Stack at the very beginning says like normally unsolved mysteries would never depict the oh, murder yeah. of a United States senator. Yeah, they would never but, reenact it. And I my immediate reaction was like, well, that was a good instinct. You should have <laughs> stuck with that one. <laughs> I know. Like they he says it with such solemn seriousness, uh, which okay, fine, except that sentiment is then totally undermined by them throwing this conspiracy theory bullshit yeah. at us. Yeah, I th- I think part of the reason I was so like yelly at the tv was because i feel like overall unsolved mysteries does a great does a great good in reconnecting people and helping solve unsolvable cases by basically turning every viewer into um someone on the lookout i mean they've solved they've solved murders they've caught people who've committed fraud um they've they've done a greater good but then they do something like this and it's just like what's the point (laughs) because in in that i think most conspiracy theories are pretty harmless um what it does is it undercuts faith in experts yeah and it turns everybody into a freaking detective i think i i mean my takeaway on this because i saw no compelling evidence in the segment that we were watching that there was a second shooter there was maybe a few like miscounts of shots fired and where they landed. But yeah. my takeaway is pretty much the same as the LAPDs, which is RFK died. He was assassinated by Siren Siren. He went to jail. <laughs> Case closed. It's like you can, you can take up this conspiracy, but what are you, what do you gain by it? Other than to undercut the LAPD and the FBI and their investigations. Yeah. Yeah. About a very serious subject matter. I mean, this was a big turning point in American history. Um, so I, the, um, I, what is gained here by nothing. presenting this information? We, we don't even have someone who's able to pitch their bullshit book either. I mean, at least yeah. that person would be gaining something. They, they, they get exposure for their book like <laughs> Mr. Missing Time Guy did. Yeah. And, and I don't know here, man. This is This is not a great look, Unsolved Mysteries. Um, no. I was also I was very confused in in that they're they're throwing all these ideas out, and I I really felt like how one of our our more uh, one of our favorite uh, grad school professors must have felt when he was basically <laughs> like, okay, but what's your thesis? Right, like you're saying right. a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But what's your thesis? Where are you going with this? Yes. <laughs> that's that's probably the best way to describe this segment what's your thesis yeah where are you going with this well because they don't even suggest who the second shooter might have been they they don't discuss what sierra and sierra who was there who did fire a gun that's not in dispute they don't discuss what his motives may have been they don't Mm. discuss any of that so they're just they're just they're undercutting a, a police investigation which more or less should remain open and shut or, I love yeah. the re- yeah I know I love the reenactment of Serum Serum being in this like apartment and it's covered with RRFK stuff on the walls yeah. and on the desk and him yeah. writing in his notebook uh, there, there 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 there's a a similar setup 
uh, involving me in like pictures of um, uh, 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 an unnamed political person of, of, of the contemporary era. Um, and uh, though I, I'm not writing in a notebook about how I have to end this person, which is also interesting that they threw that reenactment in because it kind of, you know, um, it contradicts the sort of like whatever it is they're trying to suggest that like, I mean, that's the thing too. Cause okay. He came in with a gun and he was doing some shooting. So we know that he was trying to assassinate RFK. Mm-hmm. So why do we need to throw out ideas that like some random other person is there also shooting? Mm-hmm. We, we know this guy, he has a notebook where he's like, I'm going to kill, basically I'm going to kill RFK. Yeah, this is, uh, I don't know. It's, yeah, not a great look on Solved Mysteries. No, not a great look at all. Um, Robbie, I'm go- I would ask you if you liked this segment, but I think we- that is pretty well-trod territory, what we both think about it. Yes, yes, uh, kind of superfluous effort at this point. <laughs> So I was so busy texting you angrily and yelling at the TV here that uh, I kind of assumed this RFK thing was going to be the whole episode. But fortunately, <laughs> you seemed real. That was a big topic. In I was like, story. Robbie, we can't talk about this one. If this is the whole episode, we got to talk about something else. Maybe we like roll another ep- episode of Unsolved Mysteries into the pod. I don't know. But fortunately, Unsolved Mysteries comes back from commercial break. Which I wouldn't have known there was going to be more than one segment because they didn't do their usual intro. They just mm-hmm. launched into this RFK thing. And uh, it's a story. Uh, it's an unexplained segment. Yes. About a uh, woman named Teresita Bassa. And she mm-hmm. was a respiratory therapist slash nurse. Slash, I'm sorry if I've confused the two occupations. Please don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, she is of Filipino descent. Uh, not sure why that's important, but Unsolved Mysteries uh, wants us to know that. And she is found, uh, there's a reenactment of a fire crew rushing to someone's apartment where they find a mattress uh, smoldering on, in the middle of a living room floor. And they think it's just a weird house fire. And they flip over the mattress and they find Teresita Rosa uh, disrobed and uh, apparently murdered under this mattress. Mm -hmm. So the the going theory was that she was also burgled. Someone took all her shit. Um, So the running theory for the cops for a couple months, and and most of this uh, segment is with the lead detective on the case. Yes. Um, the running theory is that someone broke into her home, uh, they they raped and murdered her, and then they took her stuff, uh, and in an attempt to cover up the evidence, they set uh, her mattress on fire. So they tried to burn up the apartment, and it didn't really go as planned, because they pretty much found everything intact. I guess mattresses maybe not as flammable? You would think. <laughs> I I guess like, you know, I was actually when the segment started, I was 
I was convinced this was going to be some sort of spontaneous human combustion. Oh, my God. I was chanting. I was like, come on, <laughs> spontaneous human combustion. Cause we it, haven't it, gotten one No, we haven't. Also, it started as an unexplained segment. So I was like, oh, man, here we go. And I was like rubbing my palms together. Oh. Uh it is still a spooky mystery, but it's not spontaneous human combustion. It was definitely a yeah. uh, planned human combustion. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> so uh, so this detective, uh, whatever his name is, he's got he's got no leads here. He doesn't know what happened. He doesn't know what's going on. You know, it so, seemed like Teresita Bassa was popular, well liked, didn't have any enemies. There was no. Uh, res- there was no evidence of forced entry into her apartment. So he finds this note, though, on the mm. table. The note says, theater tickets for AS. Yes. Mysterious AS. Oh, is AS a movie? Is AS a play? Initials of a play. Um, I meant to look what... what is this in the Boston area? I feel like it's Boston. Uh, Baltimore? I think- I thought it was like Chicago, right? Milwaukee. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah uh, Milwaukee's a big place. Well, I meant to look up what the theater shows that were playing at the time of her murder. Oh. And see if there's anything by the name of AS, maybe to poke some holes in this unexplained mystery. But I didn't do that. So, oh yeah, oh. <laughs> Yeah, there's the guy getting shot in the dick. Sorry, I'm playing the episode <laughs> in the background. I finally just got to that point. Um, right, right, right in the crotch. Okay, anyway, so <laughs> so the detective and the Teresita uh, Bossa case uh, finds this note. And so he's just he's trying to figure out who this AS is. Well, months later, he gets a phone call. And it's from... Uh, a Filipino man who's also a doctor. Um, I don't really, again, I really don't understand what the relevance of mentioning that many of the people involved in this case are Filipino. I don't. <laughs> well, it's so the people at home don't get confused. I guess. I guess. But it's not like you entered, you do these other things and like, well, the victim was white and then this other person was white. I suspect <laughs> that somehow probably whoever wrote this segment mm-hmm. um they're i'm not saying they were a racist mm-hmm. but maybe in their mind they're like well let's see here they um they believe in the what you're about to you know reveal here in the the segment uh-huh uh, surely surely they believed in it because they're filipinos and filipinos are a superstitious people i don't know that that's a thing well, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that's a common uh, uh, stereotype. But I suspect that this particular writer was probably just, you know, was just like. Ugh. Well, I was wait. I was waiting for because it was. It's it sort of mentioned so frequently. I was waiting for Stack to come in and saying, you know, in the Philippines, Philippines. Blah, blah blah blah. That never happens. So no. I don't really know where why. Anyway. So this Filipino doctor <laughs> calls the detective and uh, the story that unfolds is truly crazy. Um, apparently, his wife knew Teresita Bassa from work. They were both respiratory therapists. They worked together. His Filipino wife. 
Should I should I just keep mentioning that? Um, yes. So, uh, you know, a couple weeks after Teresita Boss's murder, uh, the doctor's wife uh, comes home. She's complaining of just total exhaustion. And she goes to lay down. And she seems kind of, like, confused in the reenactment. Like, she's a little unresponsive. And so the doctor, you know, being a doctor and a concerned husband, is like, uh, can you tell me where you are? Can you tell me your name? And he's worried, does his wife have a concussion? Is she having a stroke? Like, what's going on? And uh, the wife's like, oh, I'm Teresita Bassa, and I can tell you who murdered me. And <laughs> it's very straightforward. Um for whatever kind of possession this is. So so the doctor and his wife, as possessed by Teresita Bassa, have this back and forth conversation. Um, we find out from the wife that when she had gone to take a uh, little nap in the break room at work, because, you know, she's probably working some insane shift. Yeah. Um, she had a vision of Teresita Bassa come to her. And... So, presuming that the wife and the husband don't have the same information about the crime scene that the detective has, um, the wife, as possessed by Teresita Bossa, is able to produce a name that has the initials A.S. Saying Alan this... Shower, shower, Showery. Sh- showery? Sh- 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 she she Showerly? sells Alan she sells seashells by the seashore. Yeah. yeah. So I mean that's his full Christian name. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um so the detective's like, how am I gonna put this in a police report? <laughs> I mean, what's I, I, what box I do I check for this? I loved in the reenactment where he's listening to them tell him the story. Mm-hmm. The act, you know, the 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 detective has this, uh, you know, he, I'm he, he like he's humoring them uh, while he's listening. You know, he's he's being polite while they they tell him this crazy story about like, oh, my wife told me that uh, she was a dead person and blah 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 blah. But yeah, no, this is well up to this point. Like, if it hadn't been for that unexplained. Uh, intro title for this segment I would have as as this segment began to unfold I was kind of thinking that we were going to get a what what, what what would be less a supernatural thing and more a appeal final appeal or whatnot mm-hmm. or this african-american guy was going to be like I got arrested and sent to prison because some person claimed that they had like were possessed was possessed. Uh, like I was, I thought this was going to be more of an indictment about the slipshot manner of our cr- criminal justice system. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> but as, as it turns out, yeah, as it turns out, no. Um, so I guess the wife, as possessed by Teresita Bossa, let's. Uh, Let's her husband know that this the guy who murdered her had taken her jewelry and given it to his girlfriend. Right. And so <laughs> there's a really fun reenactment. Um, <laughs> Family comes in to look through the. the yeah. Okay. So. So, yeah, the, the, the police department contacts the girlfriend. The girlfriend brings in her jewelry. She's like, well, as a matter of fact, he has given me jewelry over the last several, several months. And so there's I love- a. <laughs> 
Fuck. There's like a reenactment of a very surly redhead oh sitting there s- smoking in the police department. I guess you could do that then. Yeah. Um, next to a box of jewelry while Teresita Boss's entire family comes in to evaluate the jewelry. This redhead, like, she looks like she doesn't give a fuck. Like, if they find something in there that's going to send her boyfriend to, to, mm-hmm. to prison, mm-hmm. she looks like she doesn't even care. She's just... Well, she's had anything, it. Yeah. No, she's had it with this. She, yeah, she just... Yeah, if anything, she just looks at annoyed that her time is constantly being consumed with stuff like this or something. Now, I know it makes for a good reenactment, but what do you think the odds are that the girlfriend was actually sitting there while the entire victim's family came in? Probably <laughs> not great. Um... Not, I, I don't. I, I can't imagine that standard p- police procedure. Uh, like, hey, would you like to be here uh, yeah. when the family? Is, so, if the family identifies one of the the pieces or something, you can be part of the. Yeah, no. get to be there for the big reveal. Yeah, I, I don't imagine that's what actually happens. No. Um. So anyway, uh, the family identifies several pieces of jewelry, including a ring that the girlfriend was wearing. And they said, yeah, these are Teresita's. So they go to pick up the boyfriend, or uh, Alan Showery. Showery? Showery. He's got a hard last name for some reason. Um, They go to to pick him up, and uh, he had previously claimed to know Teresita uh, Bossa. Yeah. But anyway, they confront him with this jewelry evidence and he's like, I did it! And then he explained what he did. <laughs> yeah. He like, yeah, he really quickly admits to it. Oh yeah, I, like, he, he folds like a like a like a pair of jeans at the gap. I don't know. <laughs> do you think... You th- yeah, as because it, it turns out he had, he was going to come over there to like fix some allegedly fix something of hers, and that's when yeah, he was going to fix the TV. Yeah, uh, and that's actually what was just it was just the pre um, the setup for him to, to to commit this robbery slash murder. Yeah, but I can't help but wonder. Like, I assume at the point where he confessed, he probably didn't know anything about the spirit possession being the 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 tip-off clue that Mm -hmm. led to him Mm -hmm. do you think if he had he maybe would have thought maybe he should have held out a little bit more do you think if his lawyers had known about that (laughs) he would have have gone to jail (laughs) right right i i can't i have to imagine that if you're a defense lawyer and you find out that the other person's case starts with a possession mm-hmm. you you're gonna have to use that right yeah. you've got to use that because <laughs> i i can only i can only think that the the detective must have just counted himself the luckiest person on earth that this guy just confessed yeah <laughs> i think he might have held out longer i mean the other thing is other than the confession everything all the evidence they have is completely circumstantial yeah so <laughs> <laughs> just uh, yeah so this, I mean, this this Allen guy has to be a real idiot. I mean, what they describe is, like, he went over to Teresita Boss's apartment to fix her television. He starts to go home, and then he's like, oh, I have a better idea. And he goes back, <laughs> knocks on the door. <laughs> so she, she, 
she knows him. That's why there's no forced entry. And then he decides to murder her, steal her jewelry, put a mattress on top of her, and set it on fire. Yeah. This is not a, like, high IQ individual I think we're talking about here. Yeah, no, no. This, yeah, this was definitely not a meticulously planned out operation by any means. No, and then the fact that he folds so easily. So easily. Um, anyway. So, he went to jail, and he's since been released. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll say that while this is not typically what I really want in an unexplained segment, I mean, I'm more for the ghosts and the UFOs. Uh, this was this was pretty good. It was really interesting, and justice was served at the end. Yeah, so. it was it was uh, it was pretty satisfying, I think, in a way but that then, most unexplained things aren't. Now, Crystal, put on if if you, uh, I'm sure you're ready to put on your scully skeptic hat. And try to figure out what really went on here. Uh-huh. Which is, I'm assuming that this other Filipino couple, by the way, they're Filipino. Um, <laughs> as was Teresita Bassa. If yeah. you, if you Just in case you forgot that. for a second. Yeah. That somehow they had, they were privy, privy to information. Uh, some, some clue that led them to believe that the mis- uh, Mr. Showery was the the perpetrator in this, mm-hmm. but maybe they were hesitant to come forward just out of fear or something. Mm-hmm. So they kind of cooked up the possession, the angle as just a way to like be able to convey to the police the information they need to track this guy down, but without actually being like, "Oh, he did it," sort mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean that that's my that's my sort of take on this. Um it, yeah, it may be that um the wife had cuz presumably the wife Teresita Bossa and um Alan Chowry they all worked together at the hospital. That's the connection. Yeah. Um we should have mentioned that, but they were all coworkers. Right. right. Uh you know, maybe the wife had something against Alan Chowry and she got lucky. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like maybe she overheard something at work. Um, maybe his girlfriend showed up wearing Teresita's jewelry. And she noticed. Yeah, yeah, it could be a lot of things. Yeah, it's something like something along that those lines. I mean, that's surely what what happened. Yeah. Not yeah. If only Teresita Bossa could have also told us if there was a second gunman in the RFK shooting. Yeah, <laughs> if only she had let us know from the afterlife. Uh, so the last segment of Las Cruces, Las Cruces bowling alley murders. Oh man, um, it's a real, it's a quickie too. Um, yeah. So you know, the story is takes, yes, it takes place one day after my eighth birthday, <laughs> February tenth, nineteen ninety, Las Cruces, New Mexico. Oh, good, good recall on that. Um, yeah, uh, the Las Cruces bowling alley. It's the morning. The bowling alley isn't even open yet. No, yeah, it seemed like they were, because it seemed like the the interior of the lanes was dark, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I assume if it's 
you know, relatively early in the morning, mm-hmm. you're not going to be open. I mean, yeah. a lot of people go bowling in the morning. I was just thinking that. I'm like, who are the morning bowlers? Like, what time does a bowling alley even open? I've only been in there in the, like, afternoon, evening. Afternoon, evening. Same, same here. Same here. Um, but, yeah, we we have a situation where uh, the staff that's present there in that early morning, uh, they actually get... Uh, held up by two gentlemen. Well, well, I wouldn't say they were very gentle. <laughs> no, no, I guess uh, they really weren't gentlemen. Two men. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we are treated to, this is a very brief segment. Mm-hmm. This is like six minutes. They they basically, these <clears throat> gun two gunmen, round up everyone who works <clears throat> at the uh, at the bowling alley. And I'm pretty sure they used like aliases for literally everyone involved, right? Yeah, so. I think even this surviving victim is put in shadow. Yeah. Her face is well, in I, well, I, I would assume, you know, that uh, that she would actually be, you know, not 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 a case of even her, but especially her should mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the cook for the, uh, I assume what, what is the um, sort of greasy spoon uh, uh, little cafe part of the uh, bowling alley mm-hmm. her and the manager and the manager's family yeah I, I think the the day manager had come in she was counting the money from the night shift yeah and she had her teen daughter and her teen daughter's friend were there with her in the office right i think they were helping i don't this that didn't strike me as very unusual yeah yeah sometimes yeah. i would go to work with my mom and help her do stuff but right I didn't have anywhere else to be you know? Yes, yeah, same here. Yeah. yeah, like especially by nature of this sort of job, where yeah. obviously, you know, I, I it's not it's not something where I, I mean it's it's a it's a type of job, especially considering that she's the ma- you know one of the managers yeah. and not that she could probably just bring her kids to the bowling alley and then let them hang out there while she's at work. Yeah, yeah. I mean that seems totally like yeah. a normal thing that would happen. Yeah. And so they they get rounded up into the main office as well as like another family that just coincided. Yeah, just happened to be coming into the bowling were, alley. I were, guess were they, no bowling. And I, yeah, I guess I I mean they weren't really clear why they were there, so I just assumed that they were like literally the first family to show up to go bowling. Mm-hmm. They must have literally just opened up the door, uh, uh, the doors to the place. Mm-hmm. Um. So they, they, the, these, yeah, that poor family also gets on this, this room, and I think pretty much all but two of them are killed. I, yeah, I, I, I kind of lost track. Yeah, I wasn't, re- and I wasn't even particularly clear on who got killed, but man, <clears throat> the reenactment was it was brief, but it was kind of intense. Mm-hmm. Like you know, this guy comes around gun you know he's you're getting rounded up you're, you're you're pushed into the office um oh by the way mm-hmm. did you notice that uh, not to go back to rfk mm-hmm. again in every segment <laughs> did you notice that in the reenactment where <clears throat> when the in any of the parts of the reenactment involving the shooting that the gun actually isn't being shot they just play the sound of <laughs> of a gun shooting but yeah no- he's well yes yeah, your hand your hand is just kind of like wiggling the revolver in his hand mm-hmm yeah, it was it was not a very menacing thing. In this segment, I feel like it's a lot more menacing. You know, it's a lot 
darker, and they, maybe because they're not throwing some bullshit conspiracy theories at us. But <clears throat> yeah, uh, unfortunately, this uh, this I, I assume they were there for a robbery, right? They were they they wanted to know where the safe was or yeah. something. Yeah, they got they they left with like four thousand dollars. Four thousand. Wow, yeah, that is honestly a lot more money than I would have expected a bowling alley to be raking in. Yeah, but like not enough to warrant the murder of like six people. No, no, not definitely not that either. I mean, I don't think there is a number to be no, clear. Not <laughs> but really. I'm just saying, if you're a criminal and you're doing the cost benefit analysis, like if you're willing to go in and start shooting, I would hope that you're 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 getting more than a couple thousand bucks. Right. Cause I mean, when you bump yourself up from just being a robber to being a mass murderer, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to have a lot, a lot more heat coming after you. Yeah. yeah. Like you gotta be stealing enough money to evade the law or, or mm. something for the rest of your life. Mm. Um, yeah, these, this, I'm still, I, like a bo- the bowling alley took in four thousand dollars the previous night. Well, I mean, what's going on in Las Cruces? That's I mean, fair. You got your you got your bowling alley. You got your Chili Pepper Institute. Like, what else is going on in Las Cruces? <laughs> is that a thing? Is there a Chili Pepper Institute? Yeah, in Las- I think so. Yeah, it's part of the university there. Man, <laughs> I want to visit Las Cruces, New Mexico now. It, it's probably, I would assume the food is excellent, but there's probably, like, not a lot going on in Las Cruces <laughs> in Mexico. <laughs> no, so, I, I guess not. Um, Yeah, I, it makes me wonder, though, this was just such a vicious crime. Like, did the bowling alley ever reopen, or did they just say, no one's going to want to come here again, so God, we're yeah. done? Um, well, anyway, at the end of the segment, uh, there were, there were enough eyewitness accounts of two guys hanging around the bowling alley in the parking lot. I mean, there was that that they could put some composite sketches together. These composites look really strange to me. Um, do they look strange to you? Yeah, they, there's, there's unsettling. I mean, they're kind of like not quite human, human. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, I didn't realize that that it was possible for a person to have a nose that was like three inches wide. Uh, yeah, they don't. They're not great. <laughs> but basically, the takeaway is there was a, there are two Hispanic men. One of them was in his late twenties. One of them is in his forties, early fifties. One of them had a trace of a, a Spanish accent, and the other one didn't. Yeah. End of segment. They were never caught. No, no update. It's just very abrupt. Here's the sketches. That's it. That's terrifying. Yeah. So that's the Las Cruces, New Mexico bowling alley incident. Uh, this episode was kind not... of all over the place. First of all, yeah. It, we we get like forty minutes of our rfk assassination something mm-hmm. we, we get a uh, a decent unexplained segment mm-hmm. with a satisfying crime wrap-up in it and we get you know we get an unfortunate like six minutes but i don't know to you i don't know about you maybe uh, they simply you know they didn't have much more to add to this this segment but it just mm-hmm. kind of seems 
unfortunate that Unsolved Mysteries chose to devote like two thirds of their episode on like conspiracy theories. Well, they chose and six to... <laughs> six minutes on an actual murder. Uh, well, I mean, RFK was actually murdered, but like mm-hmm. on an uns- actual unsolved case mm-hmm. where there are two people. Free? Right. Well, I mean, when I was watching the RFK segment, I was just like, what's the unsolved mystery? This is solved. This has been yeah. solved for a long time. So what are we doing here, guys? <laughs> yeah, I was just confu- I was just confused what the thesis of this episode was. I don't I don't really know what they were trying to do with this. And, and the last segment being terrifying. They were just like, here, try to go to bed now. These guys are out there. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to go bowling again, Crystal. Yeah. I, w- I actually wanted to talk about uh, bowling alleys for a little bit. Yeah, I know. That's... Bowling alleys are great. Bowling alleys are my favorite. One of my favorites. <laughs> really? Tell me more. Um, I've just, I've just like known some really great bowling alleys in my life. Yeah. I'm going to give a shout out to two bowling alleys specifically oh my god yeah you're gonna get the you're gonna get the reenacted plug so hold on to your hats bowling alleys here we go um hold on to your pins and your bowling shoes (laughs) here we go uh so there is a bowling alley in west sacramento it is called the capital bowl capital bowl it is not a large bowling alley i think they maybe have 15 lanes Okay. Um, it has a very excellent cafe situation and bar attached to it. Drinks, reasonably priced. Very good. They've got a real bartender there. Um, some of the best calamari of my life I have had at this bowling alley. Really? Yes. But here's the thing. They took the calamari off the menu. Oh. Yeah. I'm looking at the Yelp for Capital Bowl right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's cl- it's clean. It's it's really like trendy. It looks very colorful. Yeah, it's a re- it's a great place. You should go there if you're in West Sacramento, California. Um the other bowling alley I want to give big ups to is the one that was right by my house in Sacramento. So, not Capitol Bowl, across town. We're going to the east side, Country Club Lanes. Country Club Lanes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let me tell you about Country Club Lanes. Here's what we got going on there. Uh, Googie style architecture. So think about the bowling alley and the Big Lebowski. Think about your classic neon Mm -hmm. lit 1960s era bowling alleys. That's what we're working with here. Yes. Um, I think there's probably about 30 lanes. So it's much bigger bowling alley than Capital Bowl. Here's what's really crazy though. Um, the pins are not reset using those machines that come and like sweep up and then clamp down on the neck of the pins and then the machine puts the pins down. All of the pins are attached to strings at the top. What? Yeah, I've never seen this anywhere else. So when you knock down the pins and you reset, a some kind of, they're all pulled, all the pins are pulled up by their strings and then placed back down. Wow. So you don't have that machine situation. God, I have to go down and visit some of my friends in Sacramento as an excuse to check out these these bowling alleys. Okay, I'm not done with the amenities. Oh, my God. There's laser tag. Okay. 
really great arcade situation. It's mostly redemption games, which I don't love, you know. Oh. But it's it's cool. So you can have a night out there. Also, there is a, get this, in the back of the bowling alley, 21 and over only bar. <gasps> yeah. Straight out of the 1960s. You can still I, smoke I, with cigarette smoke. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Crystal? Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I know we've we've batted around some ideas about where um, where the first meetup for Friends <laughs> of Rump is going to be. Uh-huh. I can't help but wonder maybe... <laughs> Maybe Country Club Lanes should, especially since Howard Johnson's no longer exists. Mm-hmm. I feel like we need to like make hanging out at Country Club Lanes the the first uh, the location for the first official meetup for Rump. Okay, well I'm down because this is this is my old stomping ground in Sac. This is my old neighborhood. Yeah. There's a Popeyes in that parking lot. There's a Wendy's. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. Across the street, McDonald's. Oh my goodness! And in the same shopping complex as the bowling alley, there's a comic book store. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, it's 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 really like if you're a teenage burnout, this is your this is your parking lot. This is your scene. Do you have any like bowling alleys that you want to talk about? Well, really, the only one that most prominently comes to my mind is you know you know there's the the bowling alley in Carson City, right? Uh, sure. Yeah, I haven't been. I assume that there is one, though. Yeah, there is one. Uh, my mother really liked bowling, so when I was a kid, like in early elementary school, uh, Thursday nights, unless somehow my father happened to actually be at home to to watch me, mm-hmm. I would. She would take me to the bowling alley with her, and she would be bowling in whatever league or whatever it is she was doing. And I'd be sort of free to just roam around the back area where, you know, they had the uh, small little, you know, grease cafe type thing where, you know, there's French fries and hot dogs and hamburgers being thrown out. And there were two separate banks of like two or three arcade games. And so I basically my role in all of this was to somehow make my, you know, two or three dollars worth of quarters she handed me last Mm-hmm. I enjoyed playing those video games. Uh, they had uh, some pretty, pretty decent uh, ones there. God, I miss arcade machines so much too. Yeah, I'm. I'm always on the lookout for like a. Well, yeah, we went to a, when I came to visit you. We made some time for NBA Jam. The NBA Jam at the Pizza Factory. <laughs> That's in, right. Uh, oh, did you know? There's a new Crystal. There's yes. a new pizza place what? in Dayton. What? Yeah. Do you want to give it the the uh, reenacted bump? I will because they were kind enough to let me order something, even though I walked in li- literally like one minute before they were closed. Okay. Uh, it's called Picasso's Pizza, mm-hmm. and it was actually really good. They made a they make they make a re- made a really great. What did I get? This, a Reuben? Uh, That's or, not a pizza. <laughs> Well, no, but I also I also got a pizza. Okay. And and the pizza both both were really good. These decent place. I uh, enjoyed their food a lot. Why did I? Oh, because yeah, we played. They they do not have the video game selection of of the pizza factory though. Mm. So, mm. 
In fact, I don't even think the Pizza Factory has that video game selection anymore because Austin, the guy who you know ran that place, mm-hmm. he sold it. What the fuck? And he took like he he opened a coffee shop now in Dayton, and he took his video game machines with them, and they're in there there now. So well, they're uh, but they're intact somewhere. Intact. Yeah, 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 yeah. He 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 preserved them very very thoroughly. Hanging out in the back area, <clears throat> back wall of the. Or I guess it's the front wall of the bowling alley. My, my mom was bowling was a routine memory for me through like two or three years of elementary school. Up to the point of... Did you sh- just burp a word at me? <laughs> <laughs> I I did. I, I guess I've been drinking a lot of this milk. Um, it, <laughs> sorry. <clears throat> Please continue. Uh, I'll make it up to you by revealing a very embarrassing memory uh-huh. from my childhood. Okay. So, do you remember with Saturday morning cartoons, there was a cartoon called Captain N, the Game Master? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Um, basically, it was a cartoon. Basically, you know, it was basically a, 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 a regular uh, series plug for nintendo okay because uh, it's about it's this cartoon about this kid from like the normal world who gets sucked into the video game universe mm-hmm. and so you know each episode they kind of like go to a different video game world or whatever mm-hmm. uh like and he had these like special like thing uh uh tools or whatever that he uh was bestowed on him when he entered the get video game world like basically, you know how they had the blaster for the N- Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Yes. He has he has one of those. Only you know it actually blasts stuff. Mm-hmm. And he has this belt that has like an NES controller mm-hmm. on it, but it causes like he can like pause stuff or jump really high using it. So <clears throat> I was really enamored with this show as a kid, and for some reason. I thought it would be really cool if I uh, custom made these things out of paper um, and, and crayons <laughs> and then proceed to wear them uh, as, I guess, a sort of ca- proto-Captain in cosplay mm-hmm. uh, to <laughs> the bowling alley. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I never – I didn't get – I didn't actually get made fun of. Oh, that's good. Was there, which is good, yeah. But – you know, as people were like taking them, uh, as I was handing them out for people to look at and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, like no one made fun of me, but like afterwards, when we were going home, I kind of like took those thing, the the paper versions of those things, uh, and hid them away, and kind of reflected on how that seriously could have gone very. <laughs> very wrong what do you mean like you would have gotten hit with a lawsuit from captain and <laughs> no, producers no, or? just just like i like if it had been maybe a different set of uh kids or, or some because mm-hmm. uh, some of them are a little bit older than me mm-hmm. i mean granted we're talking like fifth fourth and fifth graders rather than my like second or third grade i feel like you know, it, it was, I mostly just sort of dodged a bullet mm-hmm. by like, I just happened to have the right set of kids who, while not amazed by this in any way, <laughs> mostly just sort of like, you know, they, 
I think what, what it was is I lucked out. They chose to like they 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 t- as I showed them these things, they looked on it more as like an art project I did rather than a costume I had put together. And so they're, you know, they just sort of examined examined it as you would any sort of drawing someone handed you and be like, oh, okay, that's neat. Mm-hmm. So you know they were m- more indifferent than. Do you think? Do you think they got the reference? I don't know. I, I I can't even remember if I tried explaining that to them. I think not because I think as soon as like I was showing them these things, I I, I think I was already starting to feel a little embarrassed. <laughs> so maybe maybe I was just glad that they were just sort of not caring. Um, wow. Well, I mean, thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go. So if you have any embarrassing childhood (laughs) stories you'd like to share with us. I don't think this is like that bad, though. I don't think this is bad as bad as West Hot American Summer. Oh, okay. I don't think this is even in this. I mean, it's just like it just seems like a silly creative thing like like that kids do, you know? Okay. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> so you still owe me an embarrassing story the way that I see it. Oh, God damn. Okay, I'll try to think of next one for yeah, our next one. Next so. time. I'll try to think of one, too. Just just so it's not so lopsided. Um, but the thing was, like, when I was a kid, I was cool. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, only, I've only entered lame nerddom and as an adult. I was definitely very cool as a kid. Uh, at any rate... If you think we're cool, um, please hit us up at Reenacted Pod on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, are you doing anything with that? Is that dead? What's going uh, on, Robbie? Well, I guess um, now that I'm uh, at home with access to a computer yeah. rather than uh, uh, just my phone, uh, I'll spend a bit of today catching up on the uh, old churning, cranking the old social media. <laughs> I'm not editing that out. <laughs> Nor should you. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be cranking the old social media machine tonight. Okay. Don't crank it too hard. You might sprain your wrist. I, you don't have to worry about me cranking anything too hard. Um, and five stars on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> or anywhere yes. else you can rate us five Oh, and by the way, maybe yes. you've already claimed it by the time this episode drops, but if you won our contest uh, that we drew for, please please come forward and claim that, and uh-huh. I'll, be, I'll be more than happy to mail it off. Uh, just send us your mailing address. And, uh, yep. Yep. Um, I hope that person is still alive and with us, <laughs> because they left their review 900 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, on that note, Robbie, do you want to, do you want to do the thing? For every mystery, there is someone somewhere who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone is watching. Perhaps it's you. This morning with the sundown.
shining in I found my mind in a brown paper bag But then I tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high I tore my mind on a jagged sky I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in My condition was in I pushed my soul In a deep dark hole And then I followed it in I watched myself crawling out As I was